Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this multidimensional world, much of which is invisible to the eye, a group of non-physical entities have come here to expand our knowledge of how the universe works. These non-physical teachers are called Joshua, and they convey their teachings through Gary Temple Bodley. Each week, Gary, with a selection of Law of Attraction experts, open up a roundtable of thought-provoking discussions surrounding the teachings of Joshua. Joshua's intention is to bring clarity to the listeners through the ever-expanding Law of Attraction by looking at reality from a new perspective. Welcome to the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Hello, everyone. This is episode 14 of the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. Today is January 9th, 2016. In this episode, we're going to talk about anger. Why do we get mad? What causes rage? How do we handle this very powerful and often destructive emotion? Since all negative emotions are based in fear, what is the fear we feel when we get angry? We will also discuss Joshua's quote of the week, and we have a great question from Samantha that you're going to find very interesting. She had three manifestation events all in one hour, and the story is remarkable. I can't wait to go over Joshua's answer. If you want to receive the question of the week and the quote of the week every Saturday, just go to the website, theteachingsofjoshua.com, and sign up for the free newsletter. It's a great way to follow along with the show. On the roundtable today, we have Steve Finitza. Hi, Steve. Hey, Gary. And Michael Cutson. Hi, Michael. How are you doing, Gary? Janine is at a seminar this weekend, but she'll be with us again next Saturday. I'd like to introduce a special guest to the show today. We have Roman Finitza. Hi, Roman. Hi. Roman is Steve's son, and this is going to be very interesting to have him with us. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Mm, thank you. Good to be welcomed. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get started with the quote of the week. And Roman, you're going to read that for us. Yes, yes, I shall. Okay, great. Okay. Um, the quote of the week is, fear is what keeps you from anything and everything you want. Joshua. Okay, that's, a, that's an interesting quote. And if you guys can see, this is one I actually did. Um, it's of a crowd in Paris right after the Paris attacks, and people are holding up signs saying, we are not afraid, or just saying not afraid, which is I thought was a super powerful image and uh, really goes to show that these acts really don't do anything other than bring people together, and that seems to be what happened there. So when Joshua says fear is the only thing that keeps you from anything and everything that you want, it means that um, – and he's, they're talking about irrational fear here, too. So irrational fear is fear that doesn't have any life-threatening ramifications with it. So when you're f afraid of talking to someone or afraid of asking for a raise or afraid of public speaking, you know, these are just self-induced fears that really have no basis in reality. And they are limiting. So fear is limiting. Obviously, fear limits you from, you know, jumping off a cliff or petting a lion. Those are rational fears, but also keeps you from asking someone on a date 
or asking for what you want. Um, so what did, <clears throat> what did you guys think when you saw that quote? What, what came to your minds? Well, it's a great quote. You know, the one thing I've got to question, though, is the fact that in the middle, you know, in this wonderful picture, we've got the words not afraid. And isn't that kind of contradictory to what, you know, to something that Joshua teaches, namely that instead of, you know, looking at things in the negative, not afraid, that it should be the, you know, more of the, you know, steering towards what we want, which is, you know, which is strength or courage or something along those lines. Or fearlessness. Or fear, well, like, well, even then, lessness, maybe that's, yeah, maybe that would be, that would kind of contradict what Joshua teaches. Yeah. Well, I, okay, so how do you describe the term fearless, then, in a positive way? Love. Okay, so they had a that, that, that perfect, we perfect. are love, you know, and I don't think that that's probably vibrationally accurate for them for what they were going through at the time. And right. it seems to me that not afraid was the best that they could do knowing what they're doing. It's sort of defiant in that way. And it is sort of just exactly what you're saying. They're fighting against what they don't want rather than embracing what they did want, which maybe they could say, you know, we are at peace or something like that. Well, but yeah, I mean, I think just the fact that they were able to come up with something and, um, you know, but sure, you're exactly right. That's why protests don't work, but rallies tend to work. Rallies seem to be for something where protests are against something. Joshua has a really good article about that. If anyone wants to go to the website, they can read that article under the article section. But yeah, when you, when you protest against something, you just make that thing bigger. I just saw today that right. <clears throat> um, Trump was having a rally, and they had screened all the people coming to the rally before they got in, and all these anti-Trump protesters made it through and were carrying big signs until he disrupted the whole thing, which was funny. But are they really <laughs> doing anything other than making more headlines for Trump? People are going to – I think Trump supporters will just think that those people were wrong and you know, they're not really effectively doing anything. I heard that uh, Trump also kicked them out and didn't let them have their coats. So, <laughs> that was funny. He, so, he was so pretty angry about that one. <laughs> Um, but, but the, yeah, I mean, the problem with disrupting a rally, no matter you know which side you're on on any political issue, is that you always look like you're the rude one. Yeah, you know, on top of on top of everything else, not only are you against somebody, you're rude. Yeah, but when you march for something, right? That seems that that you know then you know the civil rights marches, for instance, <clears throat> they were marching for equal rights, and no matter, and then when the police tried to stop them, it made the, made the whole movement get bigger because it, the police were trying to prevent them from having equal rights and all they did was, you know, just make it easier for them because it got much more news, people had sympathy for them, um, they saw them suffering, you know, no one wants to see anyone suffer. So it's, it really is cool when you can think of that. So, so yeah, in this case, certainly um, they could, if they were, totally aligned with the laws of the universe, they might have a different sign than that one. But um, right. anyway, that's the best one I could find. That's actually the, one of the only Joshua quotes that I've ever made. The rest of them are made by my friend Deborah Joe, who does a wonderful job doing that. Um, well, the, well, the picture is amazing. Yeah. You know. you know, it was just the message that, you know, that, that struck me when you, when I looked at it and I said, Boy, that's a little incongruous to yeah you know, what what Joshua normally teaches. 
Well, you're getting good, yeah. So Joshua didn't pick that out. I picked it out. So, <laughs> there you go. But, you, but that's absolutely right. It's a step one moment. <laughs> I'm on the path. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're going to change it up again this week, and we're going to go right into the question because this gives us more time to go into these questions. And this one really is one that I thought was fantastic. It's from my agent, Samantha. She's English but lives in the south of Spain, and um, she is, you know, very much a Joshua follower. She's been interested in law of attraction. She understands when manifestation events happen, what they mean. But when you get caught up in it yourself, uh, you sort of tend to get confused. So, um, Michael, do you want to read for Samantha in your own voice? I was about to say, I was about to say not in a female voice and not with an English accent, but but otherwise I'm happy to do it. But you'll notice that some of these uh, terms are English (laughs) (laughs) as you go through it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, you've got it. Dear Joshua, I have just had the most incredible sequence of events happen. All in the space of one hour. I feel like I need some clarity. One, I go to the letting office of a a local holiday rental company to collect some apartment keys for my father-in-law. He and my mother-in-law lands this afternoon in Spain and have rented a nearby apartment for a week. He made it clear to the people in the office yesterday that it would be me, not my husband, who would pick up the keys. I even take my passport to prove my identity. Long and the short of it, I am treated like a potential criminal and they flat out refuse to trust me with the keys. I don't get, and I think she, I'm not sure whether she meant shirty or shitty. (laughs) No, I I think that's an English term, shirty. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Okay. I don't get shirty, though, like I might have in the past. I know this is a hidden meaning. I am getting better at this game, I guess. Very good. So she realized right off the bat that something is happening for her here. Okay. Right. Okay. Two. But then, within 15 minutes, I receive an email from a new potential client, author, picking my contract of representation to shreds. It is unbelievable the comments that her brother, who looks after her affairs, has put in this email. I am even being potentially accused of future potential non-payment of royalties when said author, in quotes, becomes famous, end quote. Again, I can see the hilarity. Because who I am is not that character at all. At this point, I don't even make the connection that I'm being assigned the trait of a criminal again so soon. Three. Within minutes, a friend who is usually doing the school run to get her kids at the same time I pick up mine, well, she messages me. She is stuck in the hypermarket in the nearby town. Exactly at pickup time. She has totally lost track of time. This is so out of character for her that this in itself is laughable. Can I collect her kids and wait for her outside school? She'll only be 15 minutes. Well, of course. No problem. The teacher of the youngest child is fine about this, but the teacher of the eldest child is quite different. Here we go again. I am being viewed as a kidnapper this time. She reluctantly... After much studying of the text messages on my mobile phone, for she is Spanish, entrusts the children, in quotes, to me on the proviso a signed note is brought in the first thing tomorrow from their mom. 
We wait a few minutes for my friends, and the drama is finally over. I can see the lightning-fast correlation between all of these events, but I can't figure out the hidden meaning. My friends, whom I have just told, and who are increasingly getting into LOA, reckon it could could have I'm sorry, reckon it could have to do with me constantly trying to prove myself to my mother-in-law who arrives today. Could they be right? It's a powerful message from the universe, and I'd love to know what it's all about. Thanks, Samantha. So um, for those of you who aren't um, really up on Joshua's teachings, what happens is that you have this desire, and the only thing that you can do to become vibrationally aligned with that desire is to change. There's nothing for you to change. Because if you could make the change yourself, you would have done so. What has to change is certain beliefs. And the beliefs really uh, inform who you're being. They're limiting beliefs, obviously. And they keep you from what you want. And all limiting beliefs are fear-based. So that goes back to Joshua's quote, that fear is the thing that's keeping you from what you want. So what the universe does is they give you mana manifestation events. And here are three manifestation events all within one hour. Now, most people go through life getting into these manifestation events and resisting them because they feel that the other people are wrong. In the first case, they feel the people in the rental office for this apartment are being wrong. She feels that the brother-in-law is wrong. He should be different than he's being. And that the, t the second teacher sh is wrong, that she should allow her to take the child. So um, if, when you think of anything that is wrong, since there is no wrong anywhere in the universe, you are resisting it, and it's always based on a limiting belief, and there is fear at the bottom of that belief. So let's go ahead and see what um, Joshua says. Now, Joshua really is writing to Sam specifically about her. So he frames it in a way that she can understand, and as we read along, we can sort of get it too. But it's primarily for Samantha, and this is true of all the questions. So if you want to write a question, when your question comes, it's going to be specifically to you. Um, Steve, would you like to start off reading Sam's answer? Sure. And right beforehand, I just wanted to add that I'm going to, I'm going to say that Samantha has actually was creating those instances. So, Well, when we say creating, in this case, <clears throat> uh, so there is this... Uh, vibration that she has now that is coming from her um, as the whole of who she's been her whole life, who she is now, which is really informed by the beliefs and experiences collectively of her life. And to get to where she wants to be, um, you know, she's had these desires of her life, so she wants to be at another place. She has to change. And um, so you can say that she's creating it because she has this desire, and the universe is just following that desire. Or you can say that the universe is putting her into these situations that give her an opportunity to change. To point so out whatever these Either one of those are. is right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good. <clears throat> Dear Samantha, there are no coincidences in how you... And you now understand this. When a series of events such as these occur in your reality, and you notice them and you realize that they are happening for a reason, and you realize that the reason is to further your personal growth and expansion, then you have an opportunity few others have. 
you can start to analyze the events and determine what they mean to you. You can remove yourself from the scene and decipher the lesson or meaning within the sequence of events. Let's imagine for a moment that everything is neutral and nothing inherently means anything. The law of neutrality states that the universe is neutral and nothing good or bad, right or wrong, is ever happening. It is only from your perspective that you judge something to be good or bad. Let's go to the rental office and see if the people are behaving badly. They refuse to give you the key. Is this bad for you? Why? Is it your fault? Is there something wrong with you? Would anyone else feel like they were treated as a criminal? Or is this something that is personal within you? Okay, so um, you see here that she goes to the rental office. They refuse to give her the keys. She gets, you know, she feels like in the past she would get mad at them and be uh, obnoxious, but she certainly feels negative emotion. And the negative emotion is the indication that this is a manifestation event, right? And, but why is she feeling negative emotion? So the negative emotion comes up because there's some fear in there. If she didn't have the fear, she wouldn't have the negative emotion. Now, a lot of people would have negative emotion in this case, right? Um, but there's, you can also see that other people would just simply make a phone call and have it done, you know, and, and not allow themselves to get upset in this situation. Yeah, not take it personally. Yeah, right. Yeah, not take it personally. Right. Well, she was probably fearful of two different things. One was, you know, one was her in-law's reaction and two, that she wasn't going to be able to accomplish, you know, the mission that she was sent out to do. Right. So which also was, which also impacted on her, yeah, which also impacted her self image, her self you know, her, her self view, so exactly. to speak. Yeah. So we can see that it's her self view here. And so she's not viewing herself in the way that's true. She has this false limiting belief about herself. Um, okay, so let's go on to the next one. Now let's go to the contract of representation. Was it wrong for the brother to protect his sister's interests? If he has the responsibility of protecting her affairs, is he wrong for stating his opinions and objections? Does this mean that you are at fault? Would a highly successful agent care what the brother thinks? Would the super agent feel like the brother was accusing her of something unscrupulous? What is it within you that reacts negatively to these questions about the contract? So this is an interesting one, too. Um... So Samantha wants to be a super agent. She wants to you know, be one of the best literary, literary agents in her genre out there. And so when someone attacks her contract, she takes it personally. But if you could imagine, I mean, if, if you guys uh, watched Entourage, Ari would never get upset by this, right? You know, Ari uh, would say, wouldn't even bother with the, the brother-in-law. Um, or maybe he would get upset because he got upset all the time. But, you know, a super agent would not worry about what the brother thinks. You know, this is all part of the business, that sort of thing. He, so she, you can see she's acting a little bit lesser than who she wants to be. Yeah, right. which kind well, of shows there's, there's a doubt there, right? There's a right. doubt in the first place. Otherwise, it yeah. wouldn't come up. Insecurity. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, well, or fear, you know, not fear in her, you know, not fear that she's doing anything wrong. But rather the fear that someone is going to perceive her as not as doing something wrong or not being the best in her business, or that she might not get the contract, 
or she may not might not get the contract with someone yeah. who she otherwise wants to have a contract. But in this case, I think it's more about you know feeling uh, worthy of having the contract. We'll we'll find out what Joshua says. So let's get right on for that. Right. When you went to retrieve the children, was it wrong for the teacher to be careful and ask for more information? If someone was coming to pick up your child, would you want them to ask for proof that they are indeed who they say they are? Was her tone really offensive, or was she just caught in a difficult position? Okay, so now it's um, showing Samantha that maybe she should look at the situation from the other person's perspective, which is something Joshua says all the time. Yeah. Okay. All of the people who brought up questions today have something in common. They are all just trying to protect themselves. If you look at the people in the rental office, weren't they simply trying to protect themselves from harm? Wasn't the brother trying to protect his image as a protector? Wasn't the teacher simply trying to protect herself? In each case, it was their own insecurities that made them act as they did. Had they been secure within themselves, they would have handled each of these situations differently. It's interesting to note that their own insecurities came up in response to you. They all deemed you to be more powerful than them in each of these situations. They might not have reacted this way with other people. So they're saying, Joshua was saying that um, Sam's, you know, tone or body language or presence was sort of um, in conflict with them. Well, it sounds like she was powerful, right? If she wasn't powerful, maybe they wouldn't have reacted. I think that that's what it sounds like. But what Josh is really saying is that she comes in um, being insecure. Like, say she goes, she's going to the rental office, and she's like, you know, we had this arranged. I got to get this done. My mother's coming in there, so I'm going to go in with a little bit more force to try and coerce my the conditions and the. Uh, what's going on here so that they give me the key without any hassle. Well, that backfires because she's, her presence is, you know, is contradictory towards, and you'll see what Joshua says as we go along, but she sort of has this um, combative um, stance in every one of these three situations. Okay. So, and as you go into the next paragraph, you'll see what I'm talking about. We are not saying that you have an imposing presence, per se. We are just noting that in these specific incidences, with these specific people, your demeanor was intimidating. You must see it from their perspectives. You came in to each situation from a point of power, and they were on the other side of that. They were insecure in their relative position with you. They acted in ways they felt would protect their persona from you. They all acted from a position of fear and you allowed their fear to influence how you responded to them. You brought out their fear, and they brought out your own feelings of unworthiness. Okay. Let's go to the next one. How would you have reacted had you been living as the highest version of who you really are? We know who you really are, and we think you do as well. You are a being of pure positive love. You are a being of absolute worthiness, and therefore, you are completely sure of yourself. If another behaves out of fear in your presence, you do not wish for them to behave differently. You graciously accept them for who they are with all of their issues, and you allow that they are doing the best that they can. 
not everyone is at your level. Okay. In the rental office, you do not adopt a tone of... Uh, Indignance. Indignance. It's actually not spelled right. Go ahead. Yeah, indignance. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, same, same. And you do not make them wrong. You accept that they are experiencing a moment of fear and that with love you will ease them out of their fear. You take time to see the situation from their limited perspective and you have patience with them. Keep going. Yep. When the brother tears your contract to shreds, you do not take it personally. You can see that he has set himself up as his sister's protector and that this has been this has been going on their entire lives he is only doing what he thinks he must you have nothing to do with it the only thing you can do is manage your reaction if if you see him as a threat then you have no power if you see him as doing the best he can in a situation where he has no experience or talent then you can offer empathy and in doing so you'll gain his trust and appreciation if you can allow him to perform his role, you'll gain a friend. So that's interesting. So if you really look at his, if you took time to look at his perspective and the dynamic of what he has to do, you know, he has to protect his sister's interests. I, I say this all the time in real estate is that someone will buy a house and then they'll bring along their parents or their kids or somebody. And the kid's job is to talk them out of it pretty much or to, you know, bring up anything negative that they can, because otherwise, why would they be there? Um, and so you have to not take it personally or fight against them. You have to understand what their role is, and then you have to, you know, get them on your side. And um, if you're acting as the highest version of yourself, you can sort of see these things before they happen, because you don't have this fear that's coming up that blocks you um, from seeing the other person's perspective. All right. Okay, we'll keep going. Imagine going to the school at the last minute to retrieve a child that is not yours. You purposely put on a uniform of power so that you won't be questioned. You did this unconsciously, but your tone was very strong. The teacher reacted in fear. Her fear took the form of defiance and indignation. It was a battle of wills. Had you taken a few moments to see the situation from her limited and fearful perspective, you might have handled things differently. Imagine if you had entered as a being of pure love and acceptance. If this was the case, you would have diffused her fear. Your mere presence would have been all that was needed to reassure her. So when I think of, you know, I'm imagining how Samantha um, walked in to get the child as who she was being. Um, and then this other Samantha, of a being of pure positive love, as she walks in to get the child. And I can see that the walk is actually different, you know, and the whole body language is different. And one is really hard and one's really soft. Do you guys see that? Or am I just imagining it? I can oh. picture that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, one uh, of the, in one case you walk in with, you know, I, you know, as the authority figure. So you're going to give me what I want because I'm the authority figure. And the other one is a more pliable one. Yeah. You're, um, whatever happens, happens. Is the other one, right? Know, no and the, expectations, and the, right? And the fear one is, you know, and the and the one where you walk in as the authority figure is designed. And when I've done it, and I do it professionally, mm -hmm. and I, I'll walk in, you know, I'll purposely pick out the most powerful looking suit and tie I can wear, right. and I'll walk in as the in quotes the authority figure to try to, you know, to try to cow people in every which way to get you know what I'm trying, what I'm supposed to get for my clients, right? 
And yeah, but by definition, you know, I'm why or no, I shouldn't say by definition, but what am I really doing? I'm doing it in a manner to try to bowl over the other side because I'm afraid I won't get the result that I want. Right. And in your case, if they feel fear, that's probably good for you. <laughs> right? So, so if they feel fear... Unless, that this, unless, they put, unless they put up their walls as a result. So there's one of two things can happen. Is that they can, you can cause them to feel fear, which might work for you, or you can cause them to feel fear, which, which they put up walls, and it doesn't work for you. And then the other alternative would be to, you know, hey, everyone, um, everything's going to work out. We're going to make this so it works out perfectly for everyone. And unfortunately, that just we're not there at that level yet in the legal system. It, it, so, it's very hard in every sense. I mean, if you it's sort of like if you look at the um, if you go into mediation, it's more of that, you know. Even though there is fear all over the place, but if everyone could release their fear, they could probably get a lot more things mediated rather than going to the courts. But I think that that. It, as far as the law, you know, universal law goes, mediation seems to be more along the lines of, um, you know, the universal principles, whereas going to court is more along the fear-based sort of thing. Okay, we took a little detour here. Um, So let's go back to the second to last paragraph. In each of these cases, you acted in a way so as to gain control of the situation. You did not accept the people or their actions as perfect. You did not judge them to be right or even neutral. You judged their behavior to be wrong. In doing so, you set up all three situations for failure. By trying to control the behaviors of others and by making them wrong, you create problems. By allowing them to be as they are and allowing yourselves to go with the flow and have patience, you create harmony, and from that, all you want will flow to you. You were resistant in each of these situations, and your resistance created negative emotions. These were three powerful manifestation events, and they demonstrated who you were being in the moment. Okay. As you reflect on these events, you have two choices. You can continue to view other people as being wrong, and behaving badly, or you can realize that you have total control over all such events if you will simply act as who you really are. Even if you were play-acting, you would have done, you would have done better. Even if you didn't really believe that all of this was set up for you, and you just became a being of love and acceptance, it would have worked out so much more smoothly. If you had acted as the highest version of you, a being of pure positive love and acceptance, all of these people would have fallen in love with you. Imagine the power in that, Joshua. Yeah. So that just really set, shows you that in any event, um, by tr- trying to control it in your own way, by trying to con- coerce the conditions, you sort of set yourself up for failure. But if you allow that everything is happening for you and not to you, and you know, to have no fear, see it from the other person's perspective, and just not be so results-oriented, things will tend to work out. And I think the, the key trick is to sort of have faith in that, you know, because we're, we're sort of designed to take action and make things happen, but instead of to allow things to happen. I, you know. From, from um, you know, Joshua kind of 
through through the different questions and answers i've I've tried to face fearful situations that used to be fearful to me with an idea of how am I going to have fun with this interaction? And if I can come from a place of, I, I don't know if you would necessarily call it love, but I call it more like my... Jovialness. Would you say? Jovialness. Yeah, okay, I'll, t- I'll use that. Um, that's, that's pretty much your attitude most of the time. And, and then I look... <laughs> I would take that for my son, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that that was minor, <laughs> but but ultimately, I what I'm finding is in ex- my experience is that they are working out when I come at a situation like that. Like let's say I'm, I'm getting pulled over by a policeman or something for a, mm-hmm. a potential ticket. If I can, if while I'm sitting there and he's walking over, I can go, okay, this is going to be fun. Let's see how this could possibly be fun, and just right. come at it from a from a fun perspective. That's such a good point too. I remember that. Um, <laughs> my wife will get, she's gotten so many tickets, um, in the time we've been married in the 16 years and I've gotten pulled over with her in the car and have never gotten a ticket. Um, and one time I remember getting pulled over and the car says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, for driving like a moron. And he said, yes, don't do that again. <laughs> just let me go. <laughs> so it's. It is, you know. If you uh, another time I got pulled over, um, the guy says, "You know why I pulled you over?" And I, and I, you know, I was obviously for speeding. I said for speeding, and uh, he goes, "Yeah." And your tag is expired, and if it goes another month, uh, there's a new law that you actually get arrested. <laughs> it goes like six months long, and uh, and I go, "That's," and I would never have known it because I've never done my own registration because I get a new car every year. So the dealership screwed up somehow. I never even looked at it. I had just gotten that car uh, maybe six months before that or seven months before it. So everything was for a purpose. It was pretty amazing. Must be nice, but, by the way, Gary, a new car every year. I well, like you know, it's, that too. it's a lease car, and they have this deal that they come in every 18 months, and, and you just get a brand new car at the same payment. It's, it's a pretty cool thing. It's infinity. Huh. Um, yeah. Nice um, all right. So, uh, Roman, what do you think of that answer there? Well, uh, my opinion was that she's obviously uncomfortable with who people think she is or, yeah. or who she thinks she is. So she's uncomfortable yeah. going into a lot of situations. And because of that, she's going to get uncomfortable results. Right. So she's, she's obviously not happy with either who people think she are, uh, sorry, who people think she is or who she thinks she is not. Yeah. So if she was, if she was just like Joshua said, if she just went with the flow a little bit and kind of, you know, knew, really kind of knew who she was and how everything's going to work out in the end, then she would, she would be absolutely 100%, you know, um, comfortable with any situation. Yeah. And And you can visualize her as, being insecure and having things react like this or being totally secure. And uh, if she was totally secure, first of all, these things wouldn't have to come up because the reason they came up is to, is to move her from being, you know, this limited version of her to a higher version of her. But had she been that higher version, she wouldn't have felt negative emotion. Therefore, it would never have been a manifestation event anyway. You know, it's all this stuff goes into it. It's very interesting to read. I really like this this question to answer a lot. I kind of imagine it more like um more like a kind of like a kid like a small kid reacting to a bully. Like he's like overcompensating for something because this is a point of resistance. 
right. like he's uh, or she really it doesn't really matter but um the the small frail kid is trying to act as big as possible in any situation because he knows that he's not a big he's not a big kid so he's trying to you know uh, it's kind of hard to put this into words but because that's not that that's not really like the best way to I think you're doing wonderfully, Roman. Yeah, I think it's a yeah. really good thread there because, you you know, until you're a big kid, you sort of have to act like a big kid. And acting like it, like Joshua said here, even if you didn't believe it, but you, you acted like it, you play acted as if you were being a pure positive love, that would be so much better than ha- how what happened, which is just being fearful. So yeah. you can see the kid that gets bullied is the one who is fearful. And the kid who the bully doesn't even go anywhere near, even though the kid's still small, is the one who acts tougher and and has less fear. Well, I mean, I was a really small kid when I was a kid, and I never got bullied. Well, all these kids around me got bullied all the time who were my size, because I, you know, I acted a lot tougher than I was. Well, most bullies are, in fact, very fearful. Totally. That's why they, that's the only reason they do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And in fact, most, you know, as I've told, you know, probably not a very uh, loving and uh, enlightened attitude, but my attitude had been, you know, has been, you know, and what I tell people is that if someone's a bully, the easiest way to defuse a bully is to push them back harder. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. but not exactly an enlightened attitude. <laughs> but something I find uh, unique, actually, about this question was that she seemed to have been viewed as a criminal every time. Mm hmm. Um, I, I don't think that was really intended in all the situations, though, because like Joshua said, they were just sort of protecting their own interests. But I think she kind of put the label of criminal on herself, which Absolutely. was which was a curious little detail. So that might be something to consider when she looks at the questions answered. Yeah, so um, she views herself as super ethical. Um, she is a super ethical person. And her, when her ethics or when her... Um, you know, that part of her is questioned, that's when it raises the hair on her neck. Um, and that's her persona. So she, her persona is this false image that makes her want to uh, show that she's really an ethical person. Like my persona is like I have to um, – I'm really intelligent, right? And so when anyone questions my intelligence – I fight back on that. It's my persona protecting it, and I try to make them wrong. I don't do it so much anymore, but I used to do it all the time when I was younger. Um, so I, we all have our personas, and and when someone questions what we think we are, um, you know, if you think you're really honest, and someone questions your honesty, then you get angry. And it was interesting because uh, in this episode we're going to talk about anger, or we are talking about anger, and why of all the negative emotions does anger pop up in certain situations? You know, because all negative emotions, fear, sadness, um, apathy, discouragement, frustration are all based in fear, but they feel different. And anger, it, which we've, I think all of us have gone through this week, these little bouts of anger, um, that's a different sort of feeling and it's a different sort of fear. Um, we right. were talking before doing the show this week about um, 
how we've you know sort of progressed in these teachings with Joshua and other stuff that we've done. And I used to get angry all the time, constantly, and you know punching angry where I would punch inanimate objects or throw things. Uh, um, and I haven't done that for a couple years now. And playing poker the other night, I had <laughs> gotten three unlucky hands in a row and was finally busted out of this tournament. And I got up and I said, I sweared, you know, said something not really loud, but everyone was shocked because people get angry all the time. And there's guys who punch the table and get really pissed off and yell. And there's been little fights here and there and stuff like that. Um, and people have gotten arrested even in playing in poker and stuff. But <laughs> um, I don't do that. And so people were shocked when I did it. And it was weird because it was just something I didn't do. So he, I went through. I was doing very well in this tournament. And I just got – people got lucky on me three times in a row in three hands. There's just miracle long shot hands that came through at the end and ended up to knock me out. And I got mad. Um, maybe you get disappointed when you don't win or frustrated. But I don't think I ever get angry. And so that, that, that emotion was specific towards this. And I think it was, for me, a control thing. I've actually um, uh, wrote a, a question to Joshua, and Joshua answered it. And, and one of the points of this, and I think, Steve, your point will be the same thing when Joshua answers your question, because you got angry this week as well, is that now we are so much you know, tuned to feeling better most of the time. When something causes us to feel bad, we really feel it. And it happens quick. And it happens oh. quick, and, uh, and oh, I mean, God. it gets over with pretty quick, too, <laughs> and I really noticed it. I mean, like, I mean, it was, like, really a, a noticeable thing that not just I noticed it, but everyone noticed it, too. In fact, I played poker yesterday, and one of the guys said that, yeah, I stuck up for you. Someone said that you got up and, uh, and swore and, and took off when you got busted out, and he said, you know, I told him that, that could not be true. You've never done that. And I said, no, I did. Believe me, it was totally true. <laughs> <laughs> But Steve, you got angry and punched your your window, uh, your car. Yeah, um, and that's I mean, out of the blue. Have you in the past few years done that? Uh, no, like I that? I was priding myself on uh, you know, I think the term I used was becoming a spiritual ninja, where mm -hmm. you know I have this calm calm demeanor that nobody you know. Nothing can rile me up, and as I go through life, I'm, you know, I just deflect and, and you know, all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, I have this situation comes up, and then I have this outburst where I punch my windshield while I'm driving, crack it, uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, really? I'm, I, I haven't come far at all, I'm saying, you know? It's like, so I, what I liked about it was it was, it was a wake-up call for me. So yeah. I just become more... Um, present to how I am feeling because <clears throat> like I mentioned it, it it just happens quick it's like you, you just don't stay on top of it and you allow your emotions to ga gain momentum in a negative direction and it just uh, seems to happen pretty quick right yeah and and why is it anger and not you know frustration or sadness well I guess something I, I guess that there's something happening that's violating uh, how I feel it should be right. at, at this that's stage how, in my life. Exactly right. Yeah, this is. It's it's um, anger comes up when you think things are going um, 
in the opposite direction of how you think they should be going. Right. You know, that's some exactly what happened to some, me. Yeah, some injustice, something... Mm-hmm. Injustice, <laughs> something, right. something, something happens, you know, somehow you got cheated. Right. That's how I felt in poker. I was playing great, I had great hands, I was doing everything right, and it worked out wrong. But obviously it wasn't wrong, because one thing was about that is that <laughs> we were trying to think of a subject for this show, and... I was so mad. I come home and I look at the two emails and you guys had already thought that we should talk about anger. <laughs> right. So it's so funny. Well, I think we were I think we were both the dealing with it in one form or another. So it seemed to make a lot of sense, anger and fear. And did anything happen with you Michael this week this week that made you angry? Uh, let me count the ways. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, you know, I had, um, you know, I, I had written to Joshua this week because I was, con- you know, I was concerned about the fact that after, uh, or that Sunday, all of a sudden I fell into a funk, uh, thinking about a meeting that I was having on Monday and concerns that it wouldn't go well, uh, that I would get angry with, uh, that I would get angry about it, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I couldn't, you know, no matter how I intended to enjoy the day and intended to uh, to feel good, you know, I just couldn't seem to break myself out of it. Now, at the meeting itself, it actually, for the most part, went very well, except for one sequence. Uh, we were at somebody's house. We were meeting with somebody who was an alleged, what we call an alleged incapacitated person. Mm-hmm. I was meeting with the, uh, you know, I was there representing the wife of this person. Uh, uh, another lawyer was there representing a daughter from a prior marriage, and they are antagonists. And at one point, this other attorney and I went at it. And it was quick, and I tried to control it. I tried to feel good, but I'll tell you, you know, the anger did flare. <laughs> yeah, because you can see that... Um that that it should be going a certain way and that the other person wanted to go a different way or didn't see it the way you saw it. Right. Well, the the alleged incapacitated person kept on saying all kinds of things and everyone in the room saw it one way and she tried to, you know, and being a professional, you know, she was trying to spin it her her client's way, which was just about the opposite of what I Mm. thought it was. Mm. And what was obvious too, probably, right? What's that? It was probably what, the way that was obvious. It was obvious that this person was incapacitated. Well, no, no, no. Well, it, it, the incapacity wasn't in question. The question was what this person wanted okay. and what, whether he was able to express what he wanted. Mm. And it was very favorable to my client and very unfavorable to her client. Mm-hmm. But, but and, still obvious, though, right? Right. To me, yeah. it was very obvious. And she started making demands, and I, I finally looked at her, I said, and I said, you want to go that way, we'll go to court, and you're going to get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, offering you, I'm offering you the best you're going to get here. I'm going a long way for you, and you're still pushing. Yeah. Now, just to play devil's advocate here, <laughs> so Michael, when you were doing that, didn't mm-hmm. you feel alive? <laughs> <laughs> alive and yet it eats at me too well yeah. I, but could that be because we have a judgment against uh anger it could be we do have a judgment against anger. i mean i would not want to get angry i don't think that i don't think anger is productive in any situation 
but I think I think you could fake being angry would be okay, you know, to get what you want. Well, how maybe. about if you look at it from the perspective of like, okay, I'm I'm going to do this play, like, uh, you know, and at this one one part I get angry, and you you almost like you you let yourself get into it, you wallow in it, but then you're able to like not take it too seriously. You just did it for the experience, and I'm going to go back to the fact that we come to this physical reality. Uh, Joshua says this is a feeling reality, and it's maybe we're, you know, that's what we're here for is to experience these intense emotions. Okay, what do you think about that, Roman? Uh, well, I mean, I agree with that entirely, uh, but I just have another little sort of observation about anger. Uh, more that it's it seems to be a, a physical reaction to the loss of control, um, and right. that is. Is, or to um, the perceived loss of control. Yeah, yeah, because we're we're in control at all times. But sometimes when something go, doesn't go our way, uh, like you know, bad poker hands, or right. or or someone else gets a like, really good luck, right. um, you feel that you have been wronged and that there was nothing you could do about the situation. So instead of you know quietly sort of like taking that and just thinking how can I learn from this or or whatever I can do. You, you re, uh, react in a physical way and try to force your way into a better way, a uh, better mentality, but that doesn't really work. Well, anger is certainly a better feeling than despair, you know. But I would say that if you were completely self-aware and acting as the highest version of you, you simply would never be angry. I find that be boring, though. Not for me. I mean, it, like if, if you were in a highest state. You're in a highest state of mentality at all times. There's like, there's no contrast. You never get like sad at movies. You never get angry at people who are resisting you. You never get um, uh, anything. Like it, it would just be like, you know, yep, boring. You would never, you would never <laughs> have the contrast that causes new desire. But then again, the new desire is basically to be the highest version of yourself. So <laughs> it, it's so almost it's a like. Circle. It sounds like when you're non-physical, you don't get angry. You certainly don't get angry. Right. So yeah. it's like right. this, this is your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> to experience what that is. Tear it up, right? Yeah, tear it tear up. It. You don't get sad or, or, <laughs> or there's no fear. Well, there's, the reason you don't get, have negative emotion in the non-physical is because there's no fear. There's nothing right. to be afraid of, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Here you get to experience that, but I think I've experienced it enough. I'm good. I th- I think that's what that you hit it right there. It's like we we already have done all that, so we've experienced yeah. all that, and now there's actually going to be joy in overcoming uh, that perceived difficulty or whatever you want to call it. Even though it's not right. really a difficulty, it, there's joy in going to hey look I I'm master of my domain. <laughs> so right. I um was <clears throat> buying. A case of wine the other day um and so i have these 12 bottles in the cart and at total wine i don't know if you guys have total wine where you are but we do it's one total wine that i go to they say leave everything in the cart we'll we'll scan it and put it in a box for you makes a lot of sense because you got to bend over put on the put on the belt and the belt rolls and the things fall over you know so it's a pain in the ass so i go to this total wine and she's like and i push the cart to her and she's like aren't you gonna take it out of the cart you know, really, you had to say that? <laughs> so, so I proceeded to make her wrong, you know. And then 
I said, nope, I see what I'm doing here. And so I said, no, let me do this for you. I'll get it. And I'll pick out this box for you. And I said, by the way, do you have a coupon? And she gives me a coupon. And then she gets me enrolled in this other thing. And it was great. So I, I saw what I was doing, and I totally turned it around. And for right. me, it ended up so much better. And you headed it off quick. I think that's the key. I hit it off quick. That's I mean, the second that I saw myself what? getting shirty, I uh, stopped it. <laughs> That's kind of that's that's a good story because um, either way you went about it, even if you got angry at the woman and decided to be you know pissy and terrible, you probably would have learned the exact same thing mm-hmm. than if you had just did yep. what you did. So that I thought I think that's pretty funny that no matter what the uh, response is to the situation, the outcome is the same. Yeah, and um, the learning outcome is the same, but the Financial outcome would have been different because she never would have given me a, given me a coupon. <laughs> no, I don't have a coupon. That, that's right. All that's right. Right. And, and right. And you made a right. And you made a friend instead of an enemy. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, that was you pretty know, cool. You know, I've, um, actually, I've actually found in my career that the people who I've you know who have been in quotes opposing counsel, but where we worked, where we've been able to work through, you know, work past anger. And we're able to work, you know, work, work constructively have turned out to be some of my, you know, have ultimately become my very best friends professionally. You know, and you're working in this, in a pretty small field too. You run into people all the time and, you know, by realizing that, that your, that your job is not to win, it's really to resolve the situation. Um, in real estate, it used to be that the listing, the seller would have his agent and the buyer would have their agent. And uh, the the buyer's agent would represent the buyer, and the listing agent would represent the seller. And sort of the negotiations would be like, I got to get the best for this side. And now we're called transaction brokers, so we don't represent anyone; we just represent the transaction. So we work together, and basically we can get any contract negotiated now by verbally in a matter of minutes, um, where before it was always having to write it up, send it over, wait two days, send something back, counteroffer back and forth, and no one would give an inch. And now everyone works together. It's so much better. Yeah. Well, st- well the, you know, the model still in law is that you zealously represent your client, and it's still adversarial. And most, yeah. you know, e- even where you're trying to get to an agreement, you know, the yeah. haggling to try to get the advantage here, the advantage there, you know, that is still the model, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> I think for personal injury attorneys, it's like, let me just get as much as I can quickly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what I've seen. <laughs> I don't want to go to court. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it, it, you know, in fairness, you know, I've actually had to review these, you know, review the agreements as what's called a guardian ad litem when there's a death. And uh, sometimes it takes years for them to get to the point where they've got an agreement in place. Mm. So, yeah. you know, I understand why they, you know, why they may push to try to get it done as quickly as possible, because otherwise it could take forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So did you want to mention the cruise? Yes. So um, we are going on a cruise. It's a fantastic cruise from uh, Long Beach near L.A., to Catalina Island, to Encinitas, Mexico, and back. It's for 
goes from the 6th of March to the 10th, and there's going to be a whole bunch of live attraction-style workshops. We will be there talking about Joshua. Um, so we will do a at least one seminar or workshop on um, the Cheat Codes to Life, Joshua's Cheat Codes to Life, which is really interesting. And then we'll also take questions, and then we'll do another um, follow-up workshop later on in the on the cruise and answer people's questions. And then Pam Grout from um, E Squared and E Cubed, she's a, you know, everyone knows who Pam Grout is. She'll be there, which will be fantastic. And a whole bunch of the live attraction radio people will be there doing their workshops. And it's going to be really, really a good time. And it's pretty much booked up now. I don't know how many rooms or cabins are left, but if you want to go, and I really think this will be a life-changing event. I know that from our side, it's going to be life-changing. Uh, just to be in the presence of these people and to make these new connections, it's going to be so much fun. That'll be so cool. I, yeah. Are, are you answering questions overnight? Like they'll submit one day and then you'll... Right. Okay. Yeah. So you need to bring your laptop with you so I can type them out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no yeah. problem. I, I hope Joshua works at sea. I've never channeled at sea before. I just thought that'd be cool... Do you ever think you could do it like in front of people? Like, yeah, they could ask the question and then you go into your state or whatever. And well, Jules Johnson thinks that I will eventually be like um, Esther and channel Joshua just like she channels Abraham. But and you know, and when I was first channeling Joshua, Joshua would would come in a presence while I was meditating, and I could feel their presence in my body. And they worked a lot of time on my jaw. And I, I could feel this energy in my jaw. Just as imagine if you touched your jaw with your hand, that's how it felt, but on the inside, right? So it was like super obvious. And they would open my mouth and close my mouth. And I'm like waiting. I'm pretty sure that something's going to come out. And nothing ever came out. Uh -huh. You know, um, Esther was, you know, channeled through typing for a while before she spoke. So I don't know what's going to happen, and maybe it will happen that way. Um, I'm fine doing it this way. It seems to work really well. And now that we're on the Internet, there's a lot of benefits to it, too, because people can read other people's answers instead of listen to them. And <clears throat> with Abraham, it's sort of this, you know, you're on the spot to ask this question, and it's sort of hard to get the answer back. And people are shy to go up on stage. You know, I mean, even me, when I was in seminars, I didn't really raise my hand too much. And when I did, I was hoping I wouldn't get caught, called on. Yeah, and, I know that you know, <laughs> you know, so even though I know it would have been a great experience, I was like, oh, my God, I, you know, there's 300 people here. Um, obviously, a limiting fear. But, but people are, you know, this way is a lot easier because you can be anonymous. You can't be anonymous there. Um, you know, and people can... Just ask whatever question. We only put people's first names anyway, so no one knows who's asking the question um, unless we tell it to, the, to somebody. But <clears throat> So I think that the, the writing works. And plus, I can answer a lot more questions, too, because we're doing now maybe 15 questions a week um, here and probably could do a little bit more than that even. So it's cool. an interesting sort of alternative dynamic. But maybe you'll, I'll be speaking in the future. But, yeah, I, I don't see myself... Zoning out. Oh, hey, our time's uh -oh. up. Yep, it's got the timer there. Okay, um, so let's wrap this up. And I'm so thankful for everyone who's watching or listening to the show. Um, 
we're now putting this on YouTube, and people are, are watching on YouTube as well. So oh, that's cool. cool. Yep. So all that these shows cool. are we'll be on YouTube eventually, and maybe we only have like a million people listening right now. I would say something like a million to two million is my guess of how many people are listening. But I think in the future, like a hundred years from now, they can go back on YouTube and listen to all these great shows and go, "Oh my God, those guys knew so much back then." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey Roman, it was great hey. having you with us. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. We hope that you'll join us again because it's really fun to have a younger person's perspective. And you, we understand that you are vibrationally at a much higher place than we are because we're old guys. Um, you're more tuned to the earth as it is today than we are. And, um, you know, people get it backwards that, that they think that uh, the parents or the older people have the experience, but really it's the younger people have the higher vibration. They're more ready to, for everything we're talking about here. So we enjoyed having you and hope you'll be back again. Hope you had fun. And until next week, everyone, have a great week and we'll see you again. Goodbye. Okay, bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the teachings of Joshua Roundtable with Gary Temple Bodley. We will be back next week with another fun discussion. If you would like to ask Joshua a question or read more of Joshua's teachings, please visit us at theteachingsofjoshua.com. See you next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.